0: Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. I would say that being laid off feels very isolating, but to know that you're not alone. And even though you're unique in your own experience with being laid off, there are thousands and thousands of other people going through what you're going through.
1: In the Women Who Code career nav segment of our show, You'll hear real world advice from people who are currently working in the technology industry and personally know the steps needed to succeed. Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. My name is Liz Harney. I'm an email automation specialist at Women Who Code. I'm excited to welcome Emily Egan to discuss handling a string of layoffs. Emily Egan is the lead UX designer at LC Vista and is one of the directors for Women Who Code Cincinnati. She was also recently announced as a Women Who Code 100 technologist to watch. Congratulations on that, Emily, and welcome to the podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Liz, and thank you for having me on. Great. So I want to start
1: out by getting to know you a little bit better. Can you tell us how you first got interested in technology and design? Sure. I first started coding
0: and making digital artwork when I was a teenager and I wanted to put this artwork on websites. And eventually I wanted to make those websites better. So I started to learn HTML and CSS, JavaScript, and uh, I did it all for fun. And I I would say at the time, girls and young women weren't taught that they could do computer science and major in STEM fields. So I feel like I didn't major in computer science when I was in college, but if I knew what I know now, I would have.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. So do you still do um, graphic design work for fun or is it just for work now?
0: Oh, yeah. So as a UX designer, it's more making uh, wireframes and mock-ups, not so much fun graphic design. Um, I don't do that as much, but I do, I do still paint and things like that. And
1: photography. I love photography. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so you are a founding director at Women Who Code Cincinnati. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Uh, sure. It, it actually
0: took a little bit of time to get the ball rolling. Uh, this was prior to the pandemic. And we had, I wasn't the only one. It was two other senior developers and myself that uh, decided We wanted a space for women in technology, and there wasn't anything around here in Cincinnati. So we contacted Women Who Code for a period of about three to six months and met with other organizations in Cincinnati to get funding and to get space so we could host these local events. This was like March, like right before the pandemic hit. Um, So yeah, after about six months of contacting, we finally got the green light and were able to go ahead and start the Cincinnati network.
1: That's great. Um, your involvement um, as a director of Women of Code Cincinnati, what kind of effect has that had on your career thus far?
0: Well, I will say that I try to go for companies that really value volunteer work, uh, outside mentorship, diversity, and inclusion. So it always comes up in interviews, everybody wants to know what do I do as a director and what kind of leadership uh, skills you learn. It, I would say that it has also helped my presentation skills. Like now I, I really love doing presentations in my company and I love when I, when I get that ability to do that. So it definitely helped there. Also networking, we do a lot of local networking So there are more job opportunities and just an ability to gain a larger network.
1: Yeah, that's great that you said that. I feel like we hear that a lot um, from women who code members is that they have their first speaking engagement um, through a women who code event. So that's really cool that you've been able to um, feel like you've increased your skills and bettered your skills through that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your career progression? Sure. So for
0: my entire career, I have always done design and development work. And it was only recently that I pivoted to only doing UX design. My first job was at an agency where I was doing both designing mock-ups and talking to clients and doing all of the development for web apps and websites And then I finally, I got my, uh, worked for my first startup, where I stayed for quite some time. And then after that, I eventually went to a larger company where I was a UX engineer. So I got to do both the the user research, the design and the engineering side. But after that, ultimately, I decided while I love to code, I didn't get paid a similar wage to do kind of the same job. Like if you think about it with de- developing and designing web apps, we're really solving the same problem. And I like to say that there's no such thing as a UX emergency and I love not being on pager duty. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like both, but this
1: just fits my passion currently. Um, can you tell us about some of the challenges or setbacks you faced along the way sure
0: I, I'll say that you know I've I faced a lot of the common setbacks that women go through you know not being being underpaid and under underdeveloped and missing promotions I uh, one time my male colleague made thirty to forty thousand dollars more than I was making even though we had the same title and years of experience I've also been passed up on promotions I've also had, some of the not so common things that women face, such as sexual harassment and public humiliation. Uh, I remember one interview I was asked, um, this was with a smaller company earlier in my career. During during my interview, a man asked, you know, you would be the only woman here. Are you fine working with men? And I was kind of shocked by that. Like, what do you mean am I, comfortable working with men. I still think about that question this, till this day. Like, should I be concerned? Like, what kind of question is that? Um, I will say that by far the worst thing that has happened to me is, it was at an in-person company meeting of about 50 to 60 people. And I, I recently got a disillusion. So I finally got around to changing my last name back to Egan. And even though the dissolution happened years ago, the, the CEO came over and he noticed my my name tag changed. And he asked me, well, what's, what's the matter? Can't you keep a husband? And he thought that was the funniest joke ever. Um, I was in shock. Everybody, you could feel everybody kind of slink down in their chairs. Everybody wanted to disappear. Unfortunately, unfortunately for me, they did not have an HR department. So I could not report that. So yeah, that was... That was probably the worst experience I've had.
1: Wow, I'm so sorry all of that happened to you. Yeah, talk about red flags. Asking if you're okay working with men. <laughs> that was weirdly
0: enough. it was like the sep. It was two different companies.
1: Yeah, you would yeah. think would be the same one, but no. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's um, that's so disheartening to hear. Um, I know we hear a lot of stories from women in the tech industry, which is why Women Who Code exists um, you know, to create a more diverse tech industry. Um, that's why we also just had our equal pay survey, um, to survey women and the, um, women technologists in the tech industry to look at the pay disparities. Um, so that report will be coming out, um, in the coming months, but um, I'm excited to hear that. I did participate, so I'm anxious to see the results. Yeah. Yeah. Me as well. So I know, um, you know, before we even had this episode, um, you had discussed that you have unfortunately um, experienced a few layoffs throughout your career. Um, could you tell me a little bit about that and maybe describe the feeling of being laid off? I know a lot of individuals are going through that right now, um, especially in the tech industry. So I'd love to hear a little yeah. bit more about that.
0: Sure. I would say each time I was laid off, it felt different. The first time I was laid off, the entire company was being let go. So we had months of notice, ample notice. We were allowed to leave and go on interviews and still be paid a full wage. And I ended up actually finding a job before everybody was let go. So even though it was unfortunate and I liked the people I work with, it didn't really feel personal. The second time I was laid off, I was devastated. I was in the first round of layoffs. So I wasn't alone in the room, but it it did feel more personal. And I would say that America puts a big emphasis on individualism and we tend to tether our identities to our careers. And it's like they want our worth to be defined by our productivity. So if we lose our job, we kind of feel like we lose our value and so if like we're not being productive we're considered lazy and then you start to feel kind of embarrassed and, and ashamed and you know it's bad enough that you're having to worry about paying your bills but it ends up really affecting your self-esteem and self-worth and as an independent woman and a single mother i really struggled with that because my mother you know is an independent woman and she was a single mother And she, you know, she's taught me to, you know, don't depend on anybody, make sure you have a career and that you can provide your own way. And it, it took some time for me to get over that mindset that I was more than just, than just how much money I made
1: and more than my career. Yeah, I can imagine that being really difficult. Um, I think that's something a lot of us face. Um, I think maybe especially as women, um, feeling like our self-worth is really wrapped up in our careers um, and how successful we can become. Um, thank you for sharing that. I, I have to ask, um, are there any silver linings to being laid off? Feels, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird. <laughs> you know, I, I've seen those articles that try to spend being laid off in a positive light. Like you have to look at it as a, as a great opportunity. And I find it kind of hard to digest a bit because I guess that some people are uncomfortable with bad feelings. So they want to try to minimize it. But my feeling is in order to get past it and move, move forward, you have to face, face the reality. And the reality is, is that what your experience is, is traumatic it's uh, losing your job is kind of on the same tier as getting a divorce, you know, death, a death in the family. It's really one of the top biggest events that you could go through in your life. So now while it is traumatic, it's also temporary and you know, all bad things are temporary. So, and I will say that you know, my silver lining is that even though every time I've been laid off or have moved on from a job, I've always made more money Um, I've had better work cultures and better benefits. So even though it is traumatic, it is also worked in my favor, at least so far, you know, knock on wood
1: so far. (laughs) Yeah, those are some really great points, kind of honoring that moment and sitting with it and realizing that you are going through a tough time, um, but also realizing that it's temporary. I think a lot of it's really easy to forget that that's a temporary situation. So thank you for making that point. What are some things people don't know about being laid off?
0: I would say there are about three that come to mind. Um, so first, when you're about to get laid off, you know they bring you into that little room or now it's more of like a, a Zoom meeting with HR and they have one objective and that one objective is to get you to sign that separation agreement. The deal is you sign the paperwork and then you get the severance money. And most people, you know, it's very traumatic and they just want out of that room. They want off that meeting. So they end up signing and not really understanding what they're signing. So, and paperwork is full of legal jargon to really make it confusing. They, they put it there to confuse you. And the more, the most important thing to understand, like before you sign it is that you're signing away your ability to take legal action against the company and it, in most instances that i found that, uh, you're also agreeing to not speak ill of the company or speak ill of anyone within the company. And that's what that non-disparagement clause is for at the bottom. The next thing would be company stock. Now, typically in a startup, you are given company stock and, but that stock has to vest for four years. And if you are let go before that time frame you lose your stock options. They go back to the company. Now, if, you've, if you manage to stay there for four years, you have an option to buy that stock, but most people, myself included, don't have the thousands of dollars to purchase that stock. So then it goes back to the company again and is distributed to other new hires. That's why I find that it's wise to not take less base salary And more stock options because most startups fail and you won't really get to see those, uh, come to fruition. The next thing is Cobra insurance. Now you have the option to purchase Cobra insurance. And what that is, is essentially their insurance, but it's no longer subsidized by your employer. So you get, you have to pay full price. Now you don't have to take it, but you know, most people do, I, myself did have to take it and it is could be very expensive. The last time I had to purchase it, it was about $1,500 for myself and
1: uh, my child. Wow, um, thank yeah. you for sharing those. Those are really good points. That is so expensive.
0: <laughs> it, is, it is really, I mean, depending on the insurance that your company has, it could be lower.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Um, that's a really great point too about, um, you know, not accepting a lower base salary for stock options. Um, especially for those startups, you know, that makes a lot of sense. So if someone's being laid off, uh, what's your suggestion for the first thing they should do? So my advice is going with the assumption that you
0: already have your resume perfected and you have your portfolio. If you're a designer or your GitHub up to date, if you're a developer, I would say the first thing you want to do is don't immediately sign the paperwork that day, because you will be emotionally compromised. You, know, you want to take it home, look it over, and if you're more privileged and you can afford a lawyer, have a lawyer look it over because you can negotiate your severance package. You can get more money or, or better benefits. Sometimes companies like to actually provide insurance for a period of time. You can get that extended, so that's another thing that you can ask for. If you don't have the money for a lawyer, you can still try to negotiate with HR to get Get more benefits, but you want to make sure you have a number in mind because HR will want that number. The next thing I would say is make sure that you are applying for unemployment immediately because it can take time for your state to process that. So just to keep that in mind. The next thing is to make sure you take some time off. Now, if you're privileged and you can take months off, go ahead and do that. That will you know, keep burnout at bay because applying for jobs, especially in this market, uh, is extremely difficult and time consuming. But if you can't afford to do that, like I myself could not afford to do that, make sure you take off at least a week or two because if you don't, I find that it really does affect your, your mental state And people will see that in interviews, and it will definitely impact how well you interview. Yeah, process that grief as much as you can. The next thing is, you know, decide whether or not that you can afford the COBRA insurance or if you can forego it for the time being. The next thing is to speak to your colleagues and, you know, people in your network. See if you can, you know, if there's, if you can get a referral, get your foot in the door for another opportunity. I find that most people get jobs from referrals and colleagues, it's harder to just randomly apply for a job on LinkedIn and expect to get that job.
1: Yeah, thank you for those tips. Um, Certainly something I've kind of heard throughout our conversation is if you get laid off, don't panic, (laughs) don't panic, maybe just take a moment, take a step back, um, especially to, you know, when you said that. Um, you don't have to sign that paperwork immediately. You can take a moment and look it over. Um, I know I personally would probably feel the same way and maybe have a moment of panic and just want to get out of that room or out of that Zoom call immediately. Um, so that's really great advice. What are some of the shady practices that you've seen companies employ when laying off workers? Good <laughs> I, would, I would say for me personally,
0: the one time I was laid off, uh, the second time I was laid off, um, I was laid off with another person in the room who was, you know, my friend at the time, and I actually got less money than he did, even though he was hired years after I was. So, yeah, companies don't—they think that we don't share this information, but we share this information, and you know, at the time. You know, I was emotionally compromised. I, I didn't know you could even negotiate. So I didn't, I, I ended up not asking, you know, for what I deserve, which was at least the one week per year. I didn't get that. But but yeah, that's that's one shady practice. And overall, I think any company that requires that you you only give the severance money, if you sign legal paperwork, signing away your right to talk about any kind of cruel layoff uh, or offboarding practices is shady. I feel like it's manipulative and I, I feel like people deserve better than that to feel like they're forced to sign this paperwork. Uh, another, lately I find that people, it's become weirdly cool to lay off people without them noticing. So like not even getting uh, a face-to-face meeting or, or even an email, sometimes their badges won't work and they'll show up to work and they can't log in, log into their computer or log into Slack and that's how they end up finding out. And I find that pretty dehumanizing, personally. I feel like we
1: should do better. Absolutely, essentially being ghosted by your employer is yes. very shady, <laughs> it's very shady. <laughs> Yeah, it's
0: bad enough that happens on Bumble, you know?
1: Right? <laughs> yeah, um, I think I completely agree with you. Any any time open communication um, is restricted, that is absolutely shady. Um, like having to sign something um, where you can't speak about the company's practices, et cetera, um, definitely shady. Thank you for sharing that. Um, how can people protect themselves from being laid off or before they're laid off, I should say?
0: I want to say that I want to start off with saying that there's nothing you can do really to prevent yourself from getting laid off. So if you were if you were laid off it's nothing that you did personally the company made a bad business decision and it's and it's not on you. So you know don't make sh- make sure you're not working yourself to death because you know senior level directors aren't watching you on Slack to seeing like how many hours you're logged in and How many times you're jiggling your mouse to to stay, you know, on. But so in the end, none of that will prevent you from getting laid off. The only thing you can really do is just just do your job well. You know, try to build relationships and do do what you can to, to make yourself happy in the meantime. There are things that you can do to make yourself more prepared for a layoff, a pending layoff. Um, you know, always make sure your resume and portfolio are updated, even if you're comfortable, because you could be blindsided at any time. So you don't want to be at a disadvantage going into it. The next thing you could do is regularly interview at companies, you know, don't go years without going on an interview, because I find that interview practices change every few years. You know, sometimes they ask certain questions, and then, they they stop doing that so yeah, just keep that fresh that skill, because it is a skill set for sure uh, the next thing um, well on the topic of a portfolio if you're currently employed and you have to do things like case studies you know if you're a designer make sure you're having those case studies and writing them now while they're fresh and if you're a developer if you're a lead developer you know working on a major project Write down your successes because in interviews, you will have to talk about those successes. You know, they're going to ask you, tell me a time something went well. Tell me a time something didn't go well. And you'll have to have those examples. So it's it's best to do it now. Um, Let me see. I would say also networking. Always keep networking on a, you know, semi-regular basis. So you know that which companies are hiring, which companies are not. And then uh, the last thing I would say that you could do is keep keep track of what's going on in your current company. Are there are there hiring freezes? Are they having any financial issues? Are they doing any restructuring? Um, are, are people leaving? You know, keep track of that. For me personally, uh, before I was laid off, we the company did some restructuring. So our CTO left and it was, he was replaced with another CTO and everybody was kind of, Oh, you know, I don't feel good about this, but I was naive uh, and ignorant. And I said, no, it's great. He's going to change it. And we're all going to be fine. He ended up laying everybody off (laughs) because it's, there's this thing that happens with people, uh, sometimes new leadership, they like to get rid of old teams and bring in their teams because it's easier to, instead of trying to build trust with a team, it's easier just to bring people in where you already have that trust established. So yeah, just stuff like that, just to keep in mind of the current temperature of your company.
1: Yeah, that all makes sense. Um,
0: Are there any resources you can share? Sure, I would say, you know, obviously Women Who Code, you know, join your, your local network. Uh, like for Cincinnati, for example, we have a job board and a Slack where you can post. So if you're looking for positions, we regularly post positions on Slack. And you can also go to the job board on Women Who Code as well. I find that like as a woman or, you know, a person of color, it's the companies who post jobs because you have to pay for, to post those jobs. Uh, they really care about diversity. So it's it's good to start somewhere there instead of just
1: trying indeed
0: and, you know, winging
1: it. You know, I would, I would completely agree with that. The Women in Code job board is really nice in that way that you can really filter for those things that matter to you in a way that I think maybe other job boards don't really offer, um, especially as a, as a woman technologist. What advice would you give someone facing challenges right now? Sure. I
0: would say that being laid off feels very isolating. but to know that you're not alone and even though you're unique in your own experience with being laid off, there are thousands and thousands of other people going through what you're going through. And I'm sure that you can find like, you know they have grief groups. I'm sure there are groups for other people being laid off where you can connect to somebody else and kind of vent and share. And also, you know, share your feelings with your friends and and colleagues as well, because it's not good to keep that inside. It doesn't do you well. Another thing is that if you're if you're finding yourself being really burnt out by constantly applying for jobs and going on interviews after interview after interview, make sure that you're not doing too much in a day. The last time I was looking for a job, I had to really space out what I was doing. So I only did one interview a day and depending how long that interview was, I could even every other day. And that really helped my, my like mental space. And I was able to actually perform better on interviews because I wasn't so stressed out.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That we're about to launch an apply anyways series for women who code. And that's something we recently talked about is not getting burnout while you're interviewing because um, I think it can happen, um, especially if you are a little nervous um, and you want to apply to all these, you know, all these places at once or whatever it may be. I think it's really easy to quickly get burned out if you don't take time for yourself. So that's really great advice. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. So this has been a wonderful conversation we've had today. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to share?
0: Oh, uh, sure. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Emily Egan's E-G-A-N-S. Uh, and LinkedIn is uh, Emmy Egan's. I have a Twitter, but I don't use it. Um, I'm kind of waiting for blue sky. But we, so our Cincinnati chapter of Women Who Code is doing a kind of Ask Me Anything event uh, in June. Uh, we haven't finalized the date yet, but feel free to come if you want to ask us any question, any question at all could be career-related or personal. That sounds great.
1: I might have to join that myself. (laughs) Yeah,
0: happy to have you. Well,
1: thank you so much for joining me today on the Women Who Code podcast. Um, You can learn more about Women Who Code at womenwhocode.com, and you can follow us on our social media.
0: Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening
1: and remember to subscribe, rate, and comment